All right, guys, welcome to Property Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Kaminsky, filling in for Dave Dubow. And if you've ever wondered, you know, how can I really maximize my cash flow? Um, you know, a lot of times people are upside down. They're not making as much cash flow or any. Um, my guest today, Dallas Heilman, is kind of an expert in the field of maximizing the rents. Um, really interested to hear the story. Dallas, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. How are you doing? I'm pretty, pretty good and can't complain. I got my trusty sign here and um, I'm having a good hair day, so I can't complain. Um, <laughs> how did you, uh, how did you get started in real estate? Because it's only three years ago, right? 2017 or five years ago, I guess it would be at this point. Yeah. About five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So 2017, uh, December 2017, I closed my first property and it was thrilling to say the least. Uh, yeah, so I was working as a sales professional and mm -hmm. I was doing well. Um, I wasn't making crazy money, but I was, I was making good money. And one of my college friends was a real estate agent and he reached out to me. He's like, Dallas, what are you doing with all your the money that you're making with sales? Yeah. Like, are you investing or what are you doing? And I understood how real estate agents work and how they want to get a commission. And not that there's, not that there's anything wrong with that. I respect mm -hmm. that. But I, I was aware that like, okay, he's you know got an incentive to try to sell me something. So, and at the time, I didn't know any real estate investors. I didn't know anybody personally that had been investing in real estate and and had a great experience or really mm -hmm. anybody you know at all. And so I was not that interested. Um, I was doing stocks and mutual funds. And when I thought of rental properties, I'm like, oh, tenants, collecting rent payments, dealing with repairs. That doesn't sound fun. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of dismissed it without a ton of thought. But uh, Braden was like, well, Dallas, before you say no, you should at least meet my father-in-law, Dave. Dave's a successful real estate investor and it's totally changed his life. And I think at least then you'll understand what real estate investing could potentially offer you. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think mostly just because Braden was a friend of mine, I'm like, all right, I'll humor him. I'll, I'll go meet Dave. And so we went to lunch at Dave's house, just like in his kitchen, just eating sandwiches. But Dave told me kind of his life story and Dave was a firefighter and in his late thirties, he finally got started. He had a friend help him get started investing in real estate. And in just a handful of years, his financial outlook for his life completely flopped, flipped around and he was doing really well and had passive income showing up and was able to kind of live the life that he was hoping for, which coming from a fireman's salary was a really big change. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I see him now he's in his fifties or maybe his late forties at the time, but, um, Anyway, he at that time had a really nice house, nice cars, was really just living a, a you know, a cushy life, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so hearing Dave's story, I was like, you know what? That is pretty cool. And he told me, you know, details and stories and, you know, more specific numbers and stuff. And I was like, man, that is actually very incredible. And so I was like, you know what, Braden, I'm intrigued. I'm interested. Like, let's, you know, go, go find me a property like real estate agents do and see if you can find me one and, and we'll see if we mm -hmm. can, uh, if I feel like I want to do it. So he went out on the hunt, found a property, gave me the numbers. And uh, one thing that Dave had told me when I was meeting with him for lunch, he's like, Hey, if, if you do decide you want to do this, I'd be happy to help you. I'd be happy to look at the numbers with you. Be happy to like look at the property and just make sure you're, you know, kind of help you out, give, hold your hand as you go through it. And so I got the numbers and the projection from Braden and I was like skeptical. Cause I'm like, okay, yeah but he's got an incentive to sell me a property. So I called I called back Dave. I was like, hey, Dave, Braden sent me this property. Would you be willing to check it out? I sent it over to him and and it looked pretty good. He said, he said it looked like a good deal. And he's like, yeah, I think this one would be a fine property for you. I think that you should go ahead and, and get started. Most important thing is getting started. So I think this would be a yeah. great one to get started with. 
And so I was like, all right, Braden, let's do it. Let's submit an offer. We got it, submitted an offer, won the contract. We're doing our initial walkthrough. And I like, I was actually pretty pumped about it leading up to this walkthrough. And I was like, man, you know, the projections show me I'm going to make a thousand bucks a month in cash flow. Like, this is going to be so exciting. It was a fourplex, it was a four unit building uh, up in Ogden, Utah. And when we show up for the walkthrough, I immediately am like, oh my gosh, this place is not what I, I went from being very excited to very unexcited because on the outside of this, there's tons of, of trash and bikes and junk. And just like, it wasn't very well kept. There was like siding that was like mm-hmm. dislodged and misplaced and kind TLC, of coming off. they call it right. A little yeah. Bit yeah. It needed a lot of TLC. <laughs> there were like roof shingles that were coming off. One of the units specifically, the guy had just been evicted and uh, I didn't know it at the time. Turns out it was because he was, he was a meth head cooking meth. I found out a year later and uh, that there, he was cooking meth and I had to do a whole meth remediation. I, yeah. as a new investor, I made a huge mistake by not having it meth tested. And so I had to pay for that out of pocket, which now I would never make that mistake again. I get my properties meth tested. But anyway, looking through that unit, there's like, you know, nasty stuff, you know, dripping down the walls and there's holes in the doors and holes in the walls and the carpet's torn up and it's just in, in terrible condition. And I'm like, man, what am I getting into? Like, this does not seem like just free money. This is like, <laughs> yeah, welcome to real estate. <laughs> a piece of work. Yeah, you got yeah, the, so... you got the grand, uh, the grand red carpet uh, treatment right out the gate. Oh yeah, dude, I did, and I was initially, and my wife was with me, and both of us grew up in like nicer neighborhoods, and so we had mm-hmm. never like seen properties that were this missed, taken care of, and so it was shocking. And so I called, I was like, Braden, I don't, I don't think we're going to do it. I called Dave, I actually called Dave first. I, I could call Dave. I was like, Dave, I don't think uh, I'm going to do this property. We did the walkthrough. There's like this issue and this issue and this issue. He's like, okay, well, do the numbers still work? I was like, well, yeah, the numbers are the same. We already looked at the numbers. He's like, well, yeah, but you got some repairs. Now you got to factor in. So like if we add in the repairs and stuff, do the numbers still work? And uh so I, we ran the numbers. I just kind of talked to him over the phone. He's like, yeah, sounds like the numbers will still work. And, and he told me something that was really valuable that changed my perspective for real estate investing. He said, Dallas, when we buy a rental property, we're not buying it because it's cute. We don't want to buy it because we want to live there ourselves or because we like to look at it. Yeah. We buy it for the numbers, right? It's an investment. And if the numbers work, we should buy the property. And he's like, this property, even with budgeting for some additional repairs, uh, it's still going to be a good property for you. So I, I think that the most important thing is getting started. And I still think this is a good one to get started with. And so I uh, was kind of at a, a predicament where I'm like, do I trust my mentor or do I trust my gut? Which my gut was telling me, don't do it because mm-hmm. I didn't have experience. But my mentor is saying, who had experience, go for it. I think you're going to like it. And uh, so I took a leap of faith and I did it. And it was best decision I ever made. A scary decision, but very, very important and best decision I ever made. You still own that property. I do. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was a headache at first. And now it's great. And I have occasional headaches on it. You know, there's repairs mm-hmm. and stuff. It was, it was built in uh, 1981. So it's not super old, but old enough that stuff breaks, right? But yeah, uh, yeah it's a great property. Cash flow is now cash. It was cash flowing about a thousand bucks a month, just like our analysis projected. Um, and then I had a really bad thing one year later where I had to do that meth remediation that ate up like it was like an $8,000 expense. I was like, well, there goes yeah. like almost a year's worth of cash flow. But now the property after rents haven't gone up for a while and I manage it better, I know what I'm doing more with my management. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cash flow a little over on most months, about $3,300 a month. And then if I have some repairs, maybe it's a little bit less, but probably about 3000 bucks a month on average at that building. 
Nice. So your your strategy, as we were talking before the show, is really about maximizing the rents um, because a lot of people will chase unit numbers and your focus and and what you now train people to kind of do is maximize their portfolio instead of having a bunch, having max like max use of these properties. So yeah. what what's what's a quick and easy like just a starter strategy that allows you to do that? Yeah. So I think, uh, I guess a few things that I think help you get top rents and rents is just one portion of the equation, but it's a, it's an important part of the equation is number one, make sure we know what, what market rents are. So my favorite tools are Rentometer. Um, mm -hmm. I use Rentometer just for a quick analysis to just kind of see, Hey, what are other it's rents for yeah. similar sized units around here? And then I do kind of validate that data by scrolling through Zillow or Rentler as if I'm a tenant looking for a place to live. Like, mm -hmm. is this realistic or reasonable? And maybe could I go for a little more? And whatever I think that rents are going to go for, I list it for $100 more every time. And I I always, you know, along with the strategy, make sure we're getting as long of a advance notice as possible. So in, in my market, there is a lot of demand for housing. And so 30 days is is plenty of time. So I tell my my tenants, our, my lease policy is it's a 30 day, uh, you know, you have to give me a 30 day notice before you move out, but you can only end the lease on the last day of the month. So if you tell me on like, you know, right now it's November 3rd, if they told me on November 3rd, they want to move out. Well, 30 days from now would be December 3rd. And so then we have to wait till December 31st. So I'm always getting 30 days, maybe 45 days or a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be enough time where I can list it for a hundred dollars more per month than I thought I could probably get for it. I can leave it there for like two weeks and see if I get bites. And sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. And uh, mm -hmm. but I feel like just kind of being able to, one, giving yourself time to push the limits, and then two, just kind of putting the the fishing line out there, put the fishing bait out there, and see if you get any bites. And especially when I had kind of a, a, a un, like I used to be like, oh, because there's properties that are this cheap. I need to be this cheap also to be able to get it rented. And I kind of had a, a bad perception of what I can charge for rents. And so at the time when I was thinking I could only get, you know, 900 bucks and I do it for a thousand bucks, I was like always getting it. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And now that I kind of realized like what I actually can get, I still always go a hundred bucks higher, but it's pretty mm -hmm. frequent now that I tried the hundred bucks higher, let it sit for two weeks. And then I don't quite get that. So I just have to go back to my now more accurate perception, but, and sometimes I don't get that and I have to go down even a little bit more, but I think that always testing the water at a higher rent and giving yourself time to do that is going to be effective. Um, yeah, being along with that, along with that is we want to reduce all barriers for getting applications. Like I don't want to make it. So I I'm like, if I'm listing it really high, I just want to get as many applications as I can. So hopefully those people can feel, even though maybe it's more than they wanted to pay, if they're like, oh, well, I'm actually going to get approved and I can have a place secured. Like sometimes people are willing to pay more just because they know they can get it. Um, and so I do a free application. I know a lot of people teach to charge for your application because you're spending time on the, on the application and whatever. Mm -hmm. I do free applications. I do charge them when I do, like they pay for their own background and credit check. I use Tenant Cloud as my software and they charge them 39 nice. bucks to do a background and credit check. But the application part is free. So I can have all their info and have them as a lead and doesn't doesn't cost them a dime. And so because of that, you know, low barrier to entry, I'm able to get more applications. And people that were like maybe iffy about if they really want my property or not, they'll just apply because it's a free application. And then when they realize that they can get approved, I'm able to convert that lead into a tenant and add a higher yeah, rent. A, tenant, so. a true like a fully fledged tenant application where they 
apply, pay the fee, get screened. Um, so, so on Tenant Cloud, I don't know how other softwares do this, but on Tenant Cloud, I can have just an application where I get their name, employment history, uh, residence history, uh, uh, personal references, and things like that. You know, I have a few questions mm -hmm. like, do you smoke? Do you have pets? Whatever. And so I can get all of that data for free. And then I, so I don't charge them to submit that application. I call, I call that the application, but then they do have to pay. Like I don't do the background credit check until after they're like pretty much approved. And so I'll make sure they're going to get approved before I sp make them spend any money. Mm -hmm. um, and so that so, increases yeah. the likelihood you can get that rent because you've got um, a bigger application pool. I, Cause I know a lot of places Correct. are like 40 bucks to even submit your application, which yep. makes sense because it kind of, gets the tire kickers out of the way but you know if you're trying to max the rent you want to make sure you get the most applications possible so that that makes a lot of sense so at what point did you start utilizing this strategy um and found it to be effective because a lot of people will do the opposite the they'll say well if i under rent it i'll get someone in there and they'll never leave which hmm. is like what we want is like a solid tenant but what was the turning point where you're like i'm gonna go and max out my portfolio instead of maxing out my number of doors. Yeah, I, I personally don't mind turnovers because I know I can get it re-rented and I buy affordable housing. So like if I have somebody move out, I don't buy A-class properties because if somebody lives there, causes a little bit of damage and they move out, I've got to get it back to A-class condition, which is expensive to do. Mm -hmm. But if I have like B, C-class properties where everything's kind of a little bit dated anyway, nothing's really that nice. Like that's kind of what they're expecting for the exterior of the building. The interior just kind of yeah. matches it. The neighborhood all just kind of matches. Instead of I have some damages, like I can just pay a cheap handyman who does, you know, 80% good job mm -hmm. and it's a lot more affordable and I can get it, you know, rent ready for not too much money. Um, so I don't mind turnovers. I'm like, I'm not going to undercharge somebody rent to like prevent a, a turnover. I'm always going to just raise rents to where I think the market will tolerate. And if I'm feel confident that, Hey, if I raise it to this amount, if this person moves out, I could get somebody else in instead. I have no problem with that. Um, so I would, I, I think that's a, a poor thought process to, uh, say, Oh, I'm going to keep their rents low to keep them inside the unit. I think worst case scenario, you could say, Hey, I'm going to raise it to market rents. If they give you a 30 day notice because they didn't like it, that doesn't have to be the end of the conversation. If you're like, man, I really don't want to do a turnover. This place is in bad shape. It's going to cost me 10 grand to get this ready for somebody else. Like, I don't want to deal with that. Then just call them back. Be like, Hey, I got your 30 day notice. Like we would love to have you. What can we do to keep you to stay? And mm -hmm. like, Oh, the rent's too high. Maybe you can negotiate a number that's still higher than it was, but maybe not as high as you're hoping for. But if it's, you know, if you really want to prevent that turnover, maybe it can save you from that. So I would always put rents where they should be. And then if they're going to move out and you don't want to do it, hop on a phone call, trying to save it. So it seems like you really enjoy dealing with tenants. I, I, you know, having that conversation isn't really something that a lot of landlords, because they're thinking passive income. So do you have property managers in place in your property or are you managing your portfolio yourself right now? Yeah. So I, I manage with what I call the zebra method. That's what we teach. I have a coaching company called the Landlord Academy. We teach the zebra method. And the idea behind the zebra method is that most investors kind of fall into two categories. We've got the white horse investors, you know, zebras are like same family as horses, right? It's, mm -hmm. We made the name up, but we got the white horse investors where they're like kind of white glove. We just want to, you know, pass it off to a manager and just be done with it and, and never yeah. deal with it again. And we got the black horse strategy, which is more like, hey, I'm going to be the handyman. I'm going to do all the repairs. I'm going to 
keep expenses totally low. I'm going to go, you know, at the extreme, go knock on their door to collect rent if they're past due or whatever, you know, like post notices, all, all the whole, the whole nine yards. I do everything. And so we, we teach the zebra method, right? We take the best of both black and white, right? So we take the best of both worlds and make it where it's as passive as possible, but still getting the most efficiency as possible. So property managers are never efficient because you're just one of their many clients. Like clients, you're yeah. filling your unit is not a priority. Getting top dollar rents for your unit is not a priority. They just want to overall have low vacancies, overall charging up rents that like they're keeping their clients relatively happy. But if no one cares about your unit like you do, right? So if you're filling yeah. just one unit, you can probably get top dollar rents a lot easier than a property management company would. So what we do is I do handle turnover. That's the most active part of my job is turnover. And I, I don't like that. It's kind of annoying, but I have 32 rental units. I deal with probably, I don't know, 15 to 20 turnovers per year. Um, so maybe a little more than one per month and a turnover takes me about three hours. So it's not that bad, but it is a little bit annoying, but other than turnover, like for turnover, I I've got a, a listing assistant. I pay somebody to list my unit, field the text messages and, and incoming responses and just get them to, to apply. And then once they apply, I handle it. I, I do like to screen my own applicants and figure out, decide who I want to let move in my properties. But, uh, so I have somebody help me with that. I do the turnover once they move in the jobs I take on is um, if there's a repair, they'll text me, but I just put them in a group chat with my handyman. I've got a handyman that I've already got lined up in the area, put my tenant and the group, the handyman in a group chat, they coordinate it. He gets the job done. He sends me the bill and I just pay it. Mm -hmm. uh, most rent, I mean, almost all my rent collection is done online on with tenant cloud. I can set up invoices that post automatically. They pay their rent online through an ACH transfer. If they ever go past due, I do get emailed. And so I'll shoot them a text message and say, hey, today's the last day to pay rent uh, without a late fee. And sometimes that helps. And if they don't, then I try to create, you know, follow up with my tenants and make plans. And that's another thing that is, it's not fun when that happens. And I, I regularly, with 32 units, I regularly have at least one or two tenants that are behind on rent. But mm -hmm. I'm going to do a lot better job than a property management company as far as collecting from those tenants, creating a plan, making sure they're following the plan and taking action if they're not, right? Being able to get mm -hmm. on top of it quickly so it doesn't have to be an eviction, right? If they're going to have to move out early, let's just try to find a solution where they're just moving out on, you know, with an agreement rather than having to do a court eviction. So uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much my job is, is texting, you know, starting group texts, uh, following up with people that are past due, doing turnovers. And so it is it is very minimal work. For my 32 units, I probably spend about 10 hours per month dealing with it. Mm -hmm. um, I also, I, I hire my assistant. She does my bookkeeping too. I used to do my own bookkeeping, but that's like, you know, maybe another few hours per month. It's not very much, but. So, you know, with what you have right now, as far as like, th I think you mentioned like 32 or 36 units, somewhere in that range, are you still growing or have you kind of stabilized your portfolio and you're just maximizing what, what does the next 12 months or 24 months look for you guys these days? Yeah. So I'm at a spot right now where more cash flow uh, doesn't really help my life. It doesn't help my lifestyle, right? It's like, I'm, I already have about twice as much cash flow as my wife and I would ever care to spend in a year. Um, so we're, we're pretty set with the amount of cash flow we have coming in, even if, you know, with the uncertain economy coming forward, um, you know, there's, maybe my rents will go down. And I've had, I've noticed a couple, I've had a little more tenants going past due on rent with the economy and how things are, but mm -hmm. even, even accounting for things like that, we're still feeling really, really safe. So my next move, I think will be 
to uh, buy a larger property that I will have a property manager for. Because right now buying another four, three or four unit building like I have uh, would add more work for me and not, I wouldn't appreciate the extra cash flow. It'd just be more of a burden. And I'm mm -hmm. very, very busy with my coaching business and, and coaching my clients. So I do feel like at some point, as you grow your real estate portfolio, like when you pass financial freedom and you're just kind of growing to grow and like might as well, because you got to be effective with your capital. I do think you'll reach a spot. And I'm about at that spot right now where it's like at some point we're worth, it's worth taking less efficiency to be more hands-off. But I think for most investors who are building their portfolio and are not yet mm -hmm. financially free, you'd be way better off being more, a little more hands-on barely doing it with the zebra method and um, getting way more cash flow from the units that you already have. Once you pass financial freedom, you know things change a little bit. But so I, I am uh, currently not. I'm not actively looking for properties right now. Um, I'm kind of sitting on some cash, and I'm, I guess, uh, passively looking for something shiny to, <laughs> uh, you know, probably twenty twenty to thirty unit building roughly to go buy, but I'm not like hunting for one right now. I'm kind of yeah, like, it'll, I'm casually it'll looking come when it comes. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. Tell people a little bit more about how you financed this, this portfolio, because that's typically more units than the bank will just walk, walk you through. So did you use private capital? Did you use owner financing? How did you get to that thing? Cause is, is it compromised of like 10 or 15 actual buildings? Cause you're saying there are twos and threes and yeah, fours. I've so got, I've got, I've got four plexus. I've got eight, four plexus. Um, and I have with eight, four plexus, I still am within bound and I've got a, a house for myself and my family. So I've got nine conventional loans. So I, I am within the bounds of getting conventional loan products. Mm -hmm. Um, most of my properties I purchased with, uh, non-conventional lenders, so, or non, sorry, conventional non-conforming lenders. So there's a, a bank out here in Utah called Not in America Credit Union. It's a mm -hmm. conventional loan because it's made to me as an individual uh, and it's not a commercial loan for commercial properties, but it's non-conforming because they don't fall, they don't conform to the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac guidelines. And so typically with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, we need to put 25% down. With mm -hmm. Not America, they were doing, offering 10% down for a long time. Now they just do 15% down. So it's not quite as attractive, but still very attractive. And so that made it a lot more affordable to be an investor only. I'm not buying, I wasn't doing owner-occupied strategies. I, I do love the owner-occupied strategy, uh, but when I was scaling my portfolio, I was living in Provo, Utah, and all, and I was going to school down in Provo, Utah. And all of the properties down there are super, super expensive and weren't in my budget and uh, wouldn't cash flow very well because it's just a little bit overpriced in that area. And all the good deals were not where I could, I couldn't live there and be going to school at the same time or it'd be very inconvenient. So mm -hmm. I never did an owner-occupied strategy myself, but I wish I could have. And I strongly recommend that for anybody that I can. But uh, yeah, I was doing mostly the 10% down um, investment, straight investment property loans with Mountain America Credit Union. And I also am a subscriber to the Fire Life. So financially independent, retire early, which I, I believe that, that mindset also means putting yourself through the fire, right? It's mm -hmm. not like you just like, oh, I just decided I'm going to be financially independent. It's like we're we're getting down and dirty. We're we're living on minimal expenses ourselves, and using as much of our capital to go towards investing rather than using it to increase our lifestyle. So, like yeah. at the time, I was working a job. I was I was making a little over six figures per year, so I was, had a good income. And my wife and I would spend like 
less than 20 grand a year. And so we mm -hmm. had, you know, cheap housing, we had cheap cars that I actually had paid off. So I didn't have a car loan, just had to pay for insurance and gas. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't eat out that often. Or if we do, we like share meals when we eat out. Like for a little while, we lived in my parents' basement to just like keep costs super low. And yeah, uh, anyway, it. I totally bootstrapped it. And what happens is, you know, for my, for my first couple properties, I was like, sweet. I was able to get into my first two fourplexes with just the money that I saved from my, uh, my own savings. And mm -hmm. then, you know, a little bit of my cash flow, but also a lot of my own savings for that second one. But then moving forward after that, I had a little over $2,000 per month coming in. So like 25 to $30,000 per year after I had two. So that made it pretty easy to get my third property. And then at that point I had, you know, 35, $40,000 coming going, in. Going, so that going, made it pretty yeah. easy to get my next property. And so I was doing like one property a year and I started doing two a year and then three. And so it's just, it just gets, gets easier and easier, but. Yeah. So it sounds like you, you got, you've got it really dialed in and how many people are, um, you know, going through your, your program and, you know, tell, tell people a little bit about that and then, um, ultimately how they can, you know, get in touch with you and become, uh, or participate in that. Yeah. So first place to start, I've got, uh, over 50,000 people have watched my free training. I've got a free training. Uh, it's basically a, about a 20 minute video where I teach you all of my best secrets, um, for how to get started with real estate investing and how to be efficient. So, uh, if you want to go check out the free training, visit the landlordacademy.com. Super easy. It's spelled out T H E landlord Academy, mm -hmm. no dashes or anything. Um, but yeah, the landlordacademy.com. You can go watch my free training. Um, we've got about 1500 students that we work with that, uh, we have helped get started with a lot of people. It's like, Hey, we're ready to go. Let's go buy real estate right now. We also get a handful of students that are like, Hey, I want to buy real estate, but their personal finances are a total mess. Right. They're yeah. like, I've got this dream, but I, uh, I'm not totally financeable. Yeah. Or, <laughs> and so yeah. we actually do like it for those people. We, we start there and as painful as it is, I, I, it's never fun to be like, Hey man, we should buy real estate, but like, this is our second priority. Our first priority is we got to fix your personal finances. I, I'm a big believer that if, if you don't know how to be, you know, how to manage your own money, making more money won't fix your financial problems. If you're just the kind of person that spends yeah, all your money and is always boat. living in debt, having passive income is not going to fix your financial stresses. We got to fix your habits. We got to fix your, your habits and, mm -hmm. uh, and make sure we're at managing your own money first. And if you can manage your own money, then you can probably manage a business's money as well. So anyway, yeah, so we always start there if they need that. To, to put it into something, right? Yep. Yep, exactly. So so how do they get a hold of you directly or is it all through the website? You know, if someone wants yeah, to, I, I, to, to be honest, I'm too busy. I, I won't take any calls directly. Um, I, right. you know, if, if you're an investor that already has five or more rental units, if you join our coaching program, then I will be your coach. If you're getting started, you're going to be working with one of our other coaches. Um, cool. So yeah, it's going to be hard to get in touch with me directly, but um, go work with our team. All my team works with me directly. I, I do run a group coaching call every week. You can chat with me directly on a group coaching call for our students. So anyway, yeah. uh, but best thing would be exciting, just go check man. out our website and start out with the free training and see how you like it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the time and the offer. So everyone listening back home and online, uh, check it out because, you know, cash flow is in a crisis and Sounds like uh, Dallas has got it all figured out. So check out one more time, plug it, thelandlordacademy.com. Thelandlordacademy.com. Perfect. Okay, guys, until next time, we'll catch you 
on the next episode.